everybody. It's time once again for Everybody Trades with your host, myself, John Miller. Yeah, who else would it be? I'm talking into the microphone. Of course I'm the host. Be more redundant next time, will you, stupid? Oh, everybody loves my English jokes, don't they? But anyway, that's not why we're here today, to talk about diction and comma placement. Now we're here to talk about the world, and frankly... The biggest part of my world this weekend was the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the New England Patriots, but even though as much of a bummer as that was for a time being, it made me happy when I woke up Monday morning and realized that I had something different to attend to than the ridiculous story at Washington this weekend involving some Catholic high school students and a Native American activist, I'm going to call him. By the name of Phillips. I'm now forgetting what his first name is off the top of my head, but his last name is definitely Phillips. And this whole episode just really depressed me as somebody who is a journalism student, who is literally, as I record this, blocks from one of the cradles of modern journalism in this country, which is the University of Missouri Columbia. I'm less than a mile away from those beautiful columns, which I've transformed for my own purposes as part of my For Old Missouri logo on a different show I happen to host, a sports show. And just the tradition of being a part of Missouri, of being part of the journalism school. You know, I graduated in 2005. Obviously, it's been some time since I've been in school there, and certainly there were things about the school that I had my problems with that I didn't always agree with, and But also, I've changed a lot as a human being in that amount of time as well. Long story short, even though I saw some odd ideas creeping into journalism, some sort of exclusionary ideas, if you will, in classes like cross-cultural journalism, for instance, which seemed, to, from my view anyway, to really just be more of political propaganda than actual learning. But... What I'm trying to get to here is while my, what whatever my political philosophies and my world philosophies are, were then at the time, and whatever what they are now, no matter how much they disagreed with the overall culture of the Mizzou Journalism School, it didn't seem like there was this ongoing lack of concern for accuracy. No, really, it's more than that. It's more than a lack of concern for accuracy. Because frankly, this story was taken fully out of context, and intentionally so. The original purveyors of this story took a snippet of a video, took a still screenshot of what they were trying to portray, and a bunch of people ran with it. And unfortunately, I've come to expect this from some people in the media, but what's even more disheartening is the amount of people that are ostensibly on the side, quote-unquote, as the parlance of our time goes, we're on the side with these students, people who are on the conservative side of the aisle, people nominally who are slight libertarians or even pretty hardcore libertarians who haven't quite figured out that there's a bizarre culture war happening in our country that is really quite poisonous. And I can hear some of you already saying, well, yeah, it is poisonous right now. And it's poisonous because of Donald Trump and his supporters and his rhetoric and that type of deal. Well, don't worry. We're, we're going to get to that. But first, just keep this idea in mind really quickly. 
regardless of what your personal beliefs are, your personal political philosophies, any of that, just as individuals, as people, as other human beings, our fellow man, our fellow woman, if we're going to all live in a society together, if we're going to all live in a community together, we need to not immediately take to town square and try to burn the witch as soon as the smallest bit of footage, innuendo, quotes, evidence, a story in the Washington Post, whatever it might be, a segment on CNN, just the social media, the instinct to just immediately jump on anyone who says something wrong. You can take take Kevin Hart, for instance, if you don't want if you don't even want to hear about these high schoolers for whatever reason. I would say that's more that's your that's a you problem, not a me problem. But okay, let's talk about Kevin Hart for a second. See the deal with him and and let's take his co star in a recent movie too, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston is about as democratic is about as liberal as anybody you're going to find in Hollywood. He's on the right side, quote unquote, as far as Hollywood is concerned on virtually every issue that I've ever heard him talk about publicly. And that's all fine and dandy. But what Brian Cranston found out is as soon as he plays a disabled person, a person in a wheelchair, suddenly the social justice mob was coming after him as well and saying, well, gosh darn it, why can't you get a god darn, as if social justice people talk like that. Uh, I'll, I'll go with my NPR voice. Well, I just think that it's problematic that a an able-bodied person would, would be portraying somebody who isn't able-bodied. Of course, the reality is that type of movie, the sort of, character story like that that movie doesn't get made without two big stars like kevin hart and brian cranston but by all means tell me who that disabled person who is also a big box office draw is you tell me who that person is because that's the problem with your logic and by the way acting is all about literally that acting as if you're another person so let's not get completely bogged down in these sorts of ridiculous things. But again, back to my main point. Cranston has been on the right side, quote-unquote, of all these things, and yet they immediately threw him overboard. Well, and then you have people like Meghan McCain, who, is, again, is on, quote-unquote, the other side of people, of most of the people on The View, particularly Joy Behar and Whoopi. But even Meghan McCain's instinct was to jump all over the kids from this Catholic high school. And that's really a bizarre impulse for her to have as well. Again, for somebody who's ostensibly on the other side. Why is that the instinct to always try to appease your your enemies, essentially, your at least your political enemies? It doesn't seem like Joy Behar has any love for Meghan McCain whatsoever, and yet her instinct is to try to appease Joy. I don't see the same instinct from Joy Behar I don't see her trying to immediately, with very little evidence, to just immediately take whatever, again, the other side's narrative is without looking into it deeply and immediately trying to signal to Meghan McCain and to appease her point of view. Why is that something that it only seems to be a one-way street? And getting back to Donald Trump and just the Make America Great 
red hats that apparently trigger so many people and get their panties into a bunch. The reality is, no matter how repugnant you find Donald Trump's views are and the great America, make America great hats again, and just his general philosophies on life and politics are, that does not give you the right to aggress upon non-aggressive people. In this country, we have something called the First Amendment that specifically protects all speech, but especially political speech. And I'm actually old enough to remember when we generally used to have a culture of free speech in this country that seems to be dwindling by the very second. But if your position is that these people shouldn't be allowed to speak, Trump supporters, Trump himself, particularly Trump supporters, let's support, let's focus on people who don't actually have any political power. So not Mike Pence, not Donald Trump, not any of his advisors, not Kushner, not any of the people who are actually in his, his inner circle. Let's focus on a bunch of high school kids, for instance. You can say they're wrong. You can say they're anything you want. But if you're saying that they deserve to have threats of violence foisted upon them, they deserve to have their hats knocked off, they deserve to have their addresses and phone numbers doxed and put out on social media and on the Internet for every nut job in the world to see, you're actually making my argument in a weird way. Because what you're saying is is these people are using government force illegitimately. And if you're saying that, what you're agreeing is that you're agreeing with me and certainly the founders of this country that the government is at best a necessary evil. And in fact, it is quite fraught with incredible peril for all the freedoms of all human beings if we allow the government, the federal government in particular, to become a leviathan that controls every nook and cranny increasingly so, of all of our lives. And quite honestly, it's been two years of the Robert Mueller report. There is no evidence that Donald Trump was not elected under the rules set set forth by this country. So, like it or not, he's the president. And that's what people said to people who hated Obama, who hated Clinton, who hated W, who've hated everybody There's always a love-it-or-leave-it attitude to the people who are not in power. The people in power will tell them, hey, if you don't like it, you can get out. And that's, to me, that actually is sort of the problem. You see, that whole attitude belies this idea of the social contract. And that's something I've pushed back on many, many times before, And the irony is there's at least a couple people I can think of who are sort of acquaintances who have gotten absolutely furious with me. And I really mean that. Furious to the point of, you know, almost near violence when I said that actually, no, I simply don't believe in the the concept of a social contract. Now, let me make really clear what I'm saying here. If you're talking about a social contract in sort of a manners way and a or a common law way, then I'm with you. If the social contract is, hey, don't litter on my property and I won't litter on yours, don't, do not kill me and I won't kill you, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that, basically the golden rule, 
Now that's the that's the kind of social contract that I'm down with. The golden rule. That I'm completely cool with. But I wouldn't exactly call that a contract. It's more of a moral state of being. It's more of a morality, a common morality that has been passed down through generations of traditions and families and religions. And not just in Christianity, even though I'm using the golden rule as an example. You'll find a version of thou shalt not kill, for instance, in all major religions that I'm able to muster in my little brain. But in fact, the precious social contract that you've been taught about ad nauseum at public school is not about any type of agreement. It's not about any type of morality that's been passed down and that works through the centuries and the generations of people. No, the social contract is about this. It means that if you were born in America, we have things that are paid for publicly, quote-unquote. Things like roads. We also have a publicly funded, taxpayer-funded, coercion-funded, threat of violence-funded, whatever you want to call it, the defense sector. Oh, we have to have public defense, they say. We have to have public this. We have to have public health care. Is there any end? We have to have the interstate highway system. We have to have the federal aviation agency. Is there any end, again, to the amount of places, the amount of nooks and crannies that the feds can get their fingers into? But again, it's since we have representation, this is what the public school teaches us. See, there's a social contract. If you show up here and you use the roads as if I have any choice but to use the roads, then therefore you must, be, you must pay taxes. And if you don't, then you're breaking the social contract. That's a very basic way of looking at that. But then again, it's more than that. People talk about white supremacy. How about government supremacy? How about Trump supremacy? If you're mad about the Trump, that Trump has supremacy over your life, more power over your life than you want, well, I guess you don't believe in the social contract either. Because what is a contract, really? It's two people or multiple parties, more than two, who have made an agreement. And if I break my end of the agreement with you, well, you would now have no obligation in order to hold up your end of the bargain if I don't hold up my end of the bargain. See, that's how contract works. It's about mutual agreement, and it's about consequences when somebody breaks said agreement. Well, the founders of this country and people, and we're taught this in public school as well, this country was based on the consent of the governed. And again, if there is no opt-out, if there is no ability to say, I would like to no longer be a part of this particular system, if there is no ability to opt out or even for smaller municipalities to secede from their state or indeed for states for whatever reason, for whatever non-aggressive peaceful reason to secede from the federal government, if you don't have the ability to opt out of a contract, can we really say that that's a contract? You see, that sounds a lot more like a mafia-based relationship than a free relationship. It sounds to me like the social contract is not a contract at all. It sounds like the social contract is me getting an offer that I can't refuse. And again, I can hear the arguments now. They will say, no, you're wrong. By living in the United States, 
You see, the social contract, yeah, you may not have explicitly agreed in writing or in any other traditional way that a contract has been agreed upon. No, you have tacit agreement. And again, tacit agreement, even if that's true. See, even with even if I accept the concept of tacit agreement, I should tacitly be able to disagree whenever I find that the terms are no longer to my liking. Whenever I decide that, you know what, I don't want to go to this gym anymore. I don't want to go to this restaurant anymore. I don't like the way they treat their livestock, whatever the heck it might be. The point is, we all have tons and tons of different subjective values. But morality, frankly, that isn't nearly as subjective as people think it is. And to me, what is objectively wrong is forcing people with aggression to do things that they don't want to do. And frankly, that's all the government is. And if you're saying that MAGA people, people in Make America Great hats, people who voted differently than you do, that they deserve violence foisted upon them, that they deserve threats of violence, that they deserve to be doxxed, well, frankly, you're saying that you don't agree with the social contract as well. You don't agree with the idea that, hey, isn't America amazing how we have these duly elected people and we peacefully pass power and gosh darn it, even though I didn't like how it went, I'll just try hard and make a good argument next time and hopefully people will vote my way. Again, if you're saying violence is okay against people that you don't agree with, that is just another step on a different continuum from all kinds of people worldwide who would use true violence to shut up others that disagree with them. So just be very careful with that idea for all of you individually, but more importantly, those of you in newspapers, those of you who are in politics, those of you who are on The View, those of you who are conservative columnists, libertarian columnists, people like Bill Kristol, people in the Weekly Standard, people at National Review. Don't be so quick to throw people who ostensibly probably agree with 90%, a decent amount of what you do, or just anybody in general, even if they disagree with 90% of you say what you say. Don't be so quick to assume that your fellow man is terrible. And please be aware that, in fact, there are people out there who have an agenda, and they're quite willing to tar and feather people who are literal teenagers in order to push their political agenda. And indeed, even the schools, the kids, their school's own administrators and principals initially, their their instinct was to throw the kids under the bus. People, that is an ugly instinct, and we have got to get past it, or we as a society are going to have a really difficult time moving forward. So... If you want to keep the union together, I suggest you start treating your fellow man with a little bit more respect and maybe the benefit of the doubt. Just because somebody disagrees with you, that doesn't mean they're terrible people. I have lots of people that I hang out who disagree with me. The nice thing is we don't have to talk about politics because I can ramble on for 20 minutes in this space. Isn't that beautiful? And then I can have a different life where, again, I can watch the Chiefs game and not even think about this stuff 
and then I don't have to have these immediate reactions. You know what? Get outside and take a walk. It's nice. It's beautiful out there. Well, at least south of Missouri, maybe. It's cold here. All right, I'm rambling. It's been another great episode of the Everybody Trades podcast, at least in this broadcaster's opinion. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had some fun today, and frankly, this has been cathartic. I'm feeling better about the world already. I hope you do, too. See you next time on Everybody Trades. Everybody Trades.